Hello, it is Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm great. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. It was, uh, you know, always too short, but the weather was, you know, it held up. Didn't thunderstorm until a little bit yesterday. How was it down in Florida? <laughs> it's always hot here, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, we celebrate our 32nd anniversary. Mm-hmm. It was a good anniversary Happy anniversary weekend. to you guys, yep. Saw one of my brothers, saw my mom last night for dinner, and uh, it's hard to... 32 years, man. Like <laughs> you've been we, doing so, you've been doing something right for 32 years. <laughs> we went, yeah, we went dancing. You ever done a silent disco? No. You ever heard of them? No. Uh, well, us uncool people down in Florida. <laughs> uh, I've been to a couple. So basically, you you go to an event. I've I've done two or three now where um, there's three DJs playing, mm-hmm. and uh, they each have their own style and their own kind of assortment yep. of songs. And you have headphones on that can switch to any of the three channels. Okay. And so it's silent because it's very quiet. Right. If you don't have your headphones on, which is actually great for the... We went to a brewery that had it. And we've mm-hmm. been to this place when they have live music and it's great. In this case, it's... Like, I think it should be how it's done permanently because you could actually have a conversation. If I want to talk to my wife, we took our headphones yeah. off and it's quiet. <laughs> Except for as the night goes on and people are drinking more, they tend to sing. But still, it's not bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's it's so fun. Uh, Gerard, really, it's. Uh, I took my brother, and uh, he had been to one his girlfriend had, and, and uh, we had a blast. Yeah, just an absolute blast. Yeah. Look at that. See, look, yeah. guys, you can you can have fun when you're when you're advanced in age, Close like Coach sixty. <laughs> right. That that was my point. Is I've been with my wife since I was twenty two years old. I'm fifty seven, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and married for thirty two those years, and. You, I, I, I feel it in my knees like I didn't jump until the last song, sec, second to last song. Last I feel song it in my the, knees. On the channel I was listening to, the last song I did, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there was, you know, was a ton of hip hop. And this, you know, we're in Florida, a lot of Latin, a yeah. lot of Bad Bunny, which I don't, I don't know who, I know who that is. I didn't right. know which songs were his. My brother did. His girlfriend's Latina. But um, I know the music. And so I saved my jumping. I mean, I, I'm not even kidding. I walked three miles early in the day, but I needed to walk four. Yeah. I took a day off before, and I'm like, I can't do it. I got to save my knees for tonight. <laughs> How sad is that? And I mean, I'm not jumping around to the very last one. I'm, we did a little bit, but it was fun. But coach, that is, that is the same thing that our NBA friends right. who are in the advanced stages of their career have to do. It's like, man, I can't be going right. all out for no December regular season game. Right. I got to save those jumps for yeah. April and May. I forget what song I was jumping on. It's, it's a great song, but... um. Yeah, you have to. That's I, as I said to my wife. Like, we weren't really adults when we first started dating because we weren't <laughs> thinking about even ten minutes down the road. This is I was plotting for my disco dancing. That's called silent disco early in the morning. <laughs> but no, it was uh, it was good. There's not much happening in the world for the NBA. Uh, no, nope. today is an important day in in basketball global history. It is. Um, you know, it's it's August, so as I, as we said the last couple of weeks, you know, things are kind of slowed down. No yeah. news on the Kevin Durant front. We'll we'll talk a little briefly about that. Um, Henry, by the way, folks, as you know, he's working on his book, so don't don't be dismayed saying where is Henry. Henry's busy, you know, writing, rewriting, drafting, crossing out lines. Being like, oh, this is terrible. Cut up, you know, and talking to his different sources for his book. So. We are holding down the fort for him. But yes, 30 years ago today, in 1992, in Barcelona, Spain, which, by the way, beautiful, beautiful city. If you've never been to Barcelona, folks, find your way there. It's awesome. Anyway, um, the U.S. men's basketball team won gold. Now, it wasn't their first gold medal in basketball, but it was the first gold medal with NBA professional players. Everyone remembers that team. Headlined by Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson, Larry Burr, Patrick Ewing, John Stockton, Carl Malone. The list goes on and on and on and on. Drexler, all these great players were on that team. Notably missing on that team was Isaiah Thomas. But you mm-hmm. know, we all know the story behind that. Yeah. Well, um, us, us older people know. I'm not sure younger <laughs> people know. Yeah. I, oh, oh good, good point. Yeah. So um, the reason that my, Isaiah Thomas wasn't on that team, for those of you that don't know, and he was for sure of the caliber of player and ilk of that group to be there, was because one Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the king of grudges and holding them, said, no, I don't want him on this team, so he will not be there. And, you know, Michael Jordan says we're doing something. It's kind of like LeBron now. Well, this is what we're doing. Uh, what made that particularly stinging for, for Zeke was, of course, his peers and Magic and Bird and all those guys being there. 
But Chuck Daly, the late Chuck Daly, was the head coach of that team. Chuck, of course, was Zeke's coach with the Detroit Pistons. So that really stung. And if you talk to Zeke now and you hear him talk about it, it still bothers him to this day. And it likely will. Like, he'll take that to the grave. Like, it's it was an unfortunate uh, series of events. Yeah, I mean, I, I was an Isaiah fan when he was in Indiana. And, uh, you know, a guy won a national championship his sophomore year. Legendary NBA player, mm-hmm. well universally liked. Actually, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he, he was from a tough part. I think of Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago. growing up. Yep. He was part of the Bad Boys, but I never felt like like he was not a cheap shot, cheap no. shot artist guy. No, he always had an angelic smile and a very angelic face, but a killer on the court. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, of course. But <laughs> but he he had no enemies. Right. Except for MJJ, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and of course, Magic and he used to be so close. And that mm-hmm. was weird. Magic was going through. That was the year before is when mm-hmm. he got uh, the HIV, HIV. virus. Mm-hmm. Bird was about done. In fact, I want to mm-hmm. say, you know, seeing him laying flat during mm-hmm. games, that was like the first time we ever saw athletes do that, to my knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever seeing it. And, um, and that summer, uh, I, I, I would have watched the games anyway. But... Um, I've told the story probably once before where I, I spent, I had lunch with Bobby Hurley mm. uh, who had just come from, I think it was Seattle working out with the dream team. There's a very famous uh, story of they supposedly they beat the dream team in a scrimmage. Yeah, he, said not, he said nothing mm-hmm. to me about that. I remember him just talking to me about two things. He said he couldn't believe how strong John Stockton was. And he felt like that was the <laughs> one guy he could match up with physically. Remember magic six, nine, six, right. eight, six, nine. And so Bobby thought, I can, I can guard Stockton. Mm-mm. We look alike. No, he said, <laughs> he, came, he told me he felt like he was piano wire strong, which made me think of his dad probably came up with that. Well, I've been using that ever since. It makes so much sense to me. Uh, he just was shoved around everywhere. Of course, Hurley was probably, what, a rising junior in college. Mm-hmm. Stockton was a grown man. And, uh, and then he said Chuck Daly would put in the offense to Magic only. Magic would come on the court. He would draw it up for Magic. Magic would walk on the court. If you remember those days, uh, Magic played a lot of the game with his back to the basket. There's mm-hmm. like comedians who make fun of this. Magic <laughs> played in reverse. Yep. So he would put his ass into Bobby Hurley. He would tell everyone what to do and execute it on the fly. It was, Bobby was amazed at that. So I watched with a little more interest than maybe I would have otherwise. And it was the novelty of mm-hmm. this was the first pro team we had put together after some pretty bad situations. Um, and my favorite thing about it is as someone who has traveled to three continents coaching the game, uh, I take so much pride in how many international players are in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's as terrible as our country has been in so many things. Every country's got many skeletons, not even their closet anymore. This, to <laughs> me, is something I'm really proud of. We exported this great game. We have enlightened and enlivened the, the, the lives of millions of, if not even a billion people, because we didn't just keep it in-house. We taught mm-hmm. it to the world. And it's made the game better. Our the league is better. Uh, and all these other domestic leagues, international leagues besides ours are great. Mm-hmm. And it, the Dream Team helped with that. It really For turned sure. everyone on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, there's not a lot of days in August that impact historically uh, the NBA. This is one of, this is probably the biggest one. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as you mentioned, exporting the game, this is, the Dream Team is, that 92 team is a realization of what you see now in Dirk Nowitzki, who retired recently, um, Luka Doncic, um, Nikola Jokic, Jok- Jokic right? like Giannis, all these, even, right, Giannis yeah. all, all of these players now from overseas who are among the best players in the world, right? That, that is, you know, the lineage of the Dream Team and yeah. what they did by taking the game global. You remember in those games the players were just so, of the other teams, were so starstruck when they got on the court. They are like, after the game, taking photos with those guys, like, oh, my God, this is Magic Johnson. This is Charles Barkley. This is, you know, all these legends. And I remember, as you know, this is 92, so I was 14, so summer going into freshman year, I think. Sounds about right. Um, it, um, it, it was, at the time, the greatest collection of, of, of athletes I'd ever seen. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Um, I think now, since then, We've had some teams that probably have been better, right, in terms of pure talent-wise, top to bottom. I'm thinking about that 2012 team in particular because Kobe was still there and still at the tail end of his prime. You had peak LeBron, Durant. Like, I mean, that was there were some really good teams that have come after, but that was the first time we put all of our A1 guys out there. 
and it was it was something. Um, and you know it that also, as you mentioned, coach, it forced the rest of the world, uh, or it made the rest of the world better at basketball, and it also made us better at basketball, right? Because for a while we would just ah throw together ten all stars, go out, we'll just win, and they realized yeah we can't do that. Like we have to actually have a plan and develop this here because the one advantage that the other countries have is those guys play together all the time. We don't, right? We got NBA, and then most guys aren't playing USA basketball uh, in the summer until Colangelo took it over, what is it, eight, 10 years ago, and, and put that pool system together where, no, you've got to be in a pool for four to five years, playing summer FIBA, doing all these things that so you get accustomed to your teammates, and it, it forced us to be better as well. And it's not just, okay, who are the 12 best players, uh, or in that case, it was 11 plus Leitner, mm-hmm. who was not one of the best. He was a right. college kid who's a great college player, but uh, you know, Stockton on the team mm-hmm. as a shooter, mm-hmm. uh, Moen on the team as a mm-hmm. shooter. These were great players, but I don't think, I mean, Isaiah was better than them mm-hmm. in terms sure. of impact in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about the, the Admiral at center and Pat Ewing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just, that I, I have good memories of, of that whole thing. And Barkley was our best player. It, it was, it, he was the so competition good. wasn't great, but mm-hmm. Barkley was, he was our leading scorer. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought he showed, like on that on that kind of team, he's as good as there is. J- Jordan was. I mean, Jordan had w- already won before with Bobby Knight, mm-hmm. he, and an Olympic gold medal as a college player. He he was the best player on that team. In fact, the story Bobby Knight tells is, uh, I think he was even a rising like sophomore. Sophomore, he had just yeah. won. He had mm-hmm. just won the championship that year before in '81, and uh, or whatever it was. And he said uh, he told some friends, uh, "Oh, this guy's the best that'll ever play." He was blown away and loved Jordan. I can't stand Bobby Knight. But he, <laughs> he loved Jordan. Of course he did. Jordan is a sadistic right. punisher of people. Just like on him. The court. Right, exactly. <laughs> he just did it on, between the lines. But yeah, so, um, and of course, the whole celebrity thing with Magic was cool. Yeah. All, I was a huge fan, so all that was he was going through and the connection to Bird, it was, it was just, yeah. The billboards the everywhere. You know, it's yeah. funny, you mentioned Barkley, and I was thinking about this. You know how we always say that uh, Olympic summers are big for certain guys, right? Because they come back to the NBA the next year yeah. and they, they, they have like a breakout year. Barkley was already an all-NBA all-star at that point. But if everyone remembers, the next year he won the MVP and took the Phoenix Suns to the finals. And I'll never forget that Barkley year because he was incredible. Like even though the Bulls won, if you said after that series that Barkley's the best player in the world, like you would have a case to make. You, you do, would, I agree. If no that- one wouldn't. Yeah, at that right. particular point. That, nope. Yeah, in that mm-hmm. span of nine months or whatever, I think that's an amazing point. Uh, Barkley, years later, Lamar Odom mm-hmm. uh, was sixth man of the year after he had won with Coach mm-hmm. K. And I had written about this at ESPN that I felt like Coach K found a little groove with him. Mm-hmm. And he was able to continue to do it until he went to Dallas and it was all destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the Lakers, it worked. Coach K, I think, really helped them there. Uh, now we also know Jason Tatum ran out of gas this year and i think mm-hmm. in large part because of team usa i mm-hmm. i i'm i wish we wouldn't i i'd like to change how we do things i don't care about winning the gold medal anymore yeah i, I want to build a better product for for the nba which is get younger players to go let their, their ass kick they'll get them better yeah i think to your point and the, i know fiba does a u23 tournament don't they they do it? and i would love to see that as the being the top one yeah okay so yeah. That, that that's what i'm like going so yeah. I think I'd love to cap it as um, the Olympics being U23. Well, my last point on Barkley yeah. was yeah. I remember in that finals, I think it was tied 2-2 in this series. And Barkley's talked about this post. And he's like, his daughter at the time was young. She's an adult now. And asked him, you know, daddy, like, are you sure you're going to win the NBA finals? Like, you know, it's like, you know, and she, she's like, yes. He's like, how do you know? Because your daddy's the best basketball player in the world. And I think he had like a game where he scored 40 something, 10. And what, I mean, he was un- unreal. Jordan just scored like two more points and whatever. It was like, <laughs> and, he, and he came home. Your daddy is not the best basketball player. <laughs> no, I don't know that story. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, this is this is uh, this. We always say there's always someone better, except for that one person. And and what what's important is, and this is where I feel like Team USA has done a good job, especially with Coach K, who I think is probably the best motivator in, in mm-hmm. American sports history for pretty much any sport. We can argue some other people. But you can't argue they're better than him. You can just say they're as good. Is uh, the best in the world are not just the best for all the obvious reasons, talent and work ethic. They're humble about it and the moment. In other words, they respect their opponent. Mm-hmm. I've always felt that way when I was a high school coach. 
and I and I we'd loop my team would lose somewhere in the playoffs, and I'd see the team that I, I would go to the finals. I'd see the coach of the finals, and uh, and they would say, "Listen, we we're rooting for your team to lose. We we're really worried about beating you guys." Mm-hmm. And of course, I was thinking we couldn't beat those guys, but I was always struck with their humility, and that's why they they kept winning. And I feel it's the same way uh, at every level. You you. Uh, Coach K is great at this. He he has so much respect for his opponents. And I know from firsthand experience in coaching so many players, uh, including you know, all the, a lot of these guys when they were in college, when they when he when you play them, win or lose, Coach K will typically call a player out like, yeah, I just love watching you on tape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a very normal thing. You're so much, you're even quicker than I thought you were. You're faster than I thought you were. You're stronger. Like he puts in the time to really know who you are. Because he, he knows there's no other way to do it if you want to keep winning at the highest level. And I feel like Jordan may have always had a disdain for his opponent mm-hmm. um, on the court in action. But going in, he knew. Mm-hmm. Like he, I've heard him talk about Mitch Richmond was his mm-hmm. toughest mm-hmm. Uh, player to go against. He was just so powerful. Mitch mm-hmm. was like a, running, a, a linebacker in football. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was from a football state, Florida. Um, I, he, he, he knew. Jordan knew I got to bring everything I got to play against mm-hmm. these guys. That is a good... That yep. is a good uh, a characteristic to have to play well in any sport is a, a respect in your opponent that they found they're going to find a way to beat you if you don't find a way to beat them. You can't just show up and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, while we're talking at the game at the highest levels, um, we'll get to one of your favorite players in a moment. But um, you found something that Jason Tatum said, um, and you said he and I took di- very different lessons from the finals. So this is a, a quote from, from, uh, from Tatum. It's not a for sure thing, you know. You have to put in the work. You have to take the right steps, Tatum said. But I'm positive that we got the right group that will buy in and we can't look past anything and just try to coast our way to the finals. We got to start from training camp. We got to start from day one. And that that's a lesson that Tatum took from the finals. You took a different lesson from the finals. Yeah. When he, when he, the whole article is, you know, whether, whether they should have Durant and mm-hmm. Jason Tatum mm-hmm. handles all that. But the whole article begins with something we wrote about. He had a terrible start. And the way he finally solved it a few months later was he said, I just got more shots up in the gym by myself with my trainer, no fans, no teammates, just getting shots up. Why? It worked for him. That's fine. Um, well, they really should have won the finals, in my opinion. Golden State deserved it. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But uh, they didn't do well from day one. Like, I don't think you have to start great from day one. Mm-hmm. I think it helps to be healthy, of mm-hmm. course. Of course. <laughs> uh, I think... We don't have to feel like we have to win every game in October. Steve Kerr will talk about how starting 18 and two, I think I'm right when I say maybe 18 and three, one or the other, really helped them believe that they had found something because they had started playing well at the end of the year before and just lost in the um, uh, plan. In the plan, yeah. Um, but for Boston, it took months, mm-hmm. and then they and then they were hot. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think you have it starts on day one. What starts on day one? is respect for the process. He talks in this article about eating right. That starts on day one. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Stretching right, I- injury prevention, mechanisms mm-hmm. in place, uh, treating your teammates with decency mm-hmm. and respect, uh, uh, learning how to deal with conflict appropriately mm-hmm. and maturely. Those things are good on day one. I don't know that you have to start playing great. I, I don't think you do have to start playing great on day one, and they're proof of that. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. I, I think, you know... A lot of those things these guys say, and it's unfortunate for us and what we do as, as media people, coaches, that and Tatum as a grizzled veteran of all of 24 years old. Right? <laughs> I know, like, it's so funny. They're, they're just so practiced and rehearsed in That's these right. cliche answers and what to say. Yeah. And it's un- and I know why they do it. It's because they don't want anything that they say to get twisted and taken right. for nothing but what it is, right? He's, so, yeah, he's not mindful about what he's saying because mm-hmm. he, 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 in a sense, he is mindful. He's just going to say that same thing. Have you mm-hmm. seen the movie Bull Durham? No. Oh my God, Gerard. <laughs> I am so pleased and privileged. You don't know about the movie Bull Durham? Do you no, know I've, about it? Of course I've heard of Bull Gerard, Durham. I've never seen it's it. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> no, hilarious. All right. All right. Oh, I, I can't. Kevin Costner's in it. I have a running joke yep. with Randy Shane about it. Yeah, um, I remember that. It, it, it's, it's, it's probably the best funny sports movie that isn't just stupid <laughs> funny like semi pro or something like that. Okay. Uh, it, but but in it, I'll just I'm just gonna tell you very quickly. Kevin Costner plays this this aging minor leaguer who's been mm-hmm. in the show but just for a bit. 
Right. And their top first round pick, pitcher, Tim Robbins, who's a young man then. Mm-hmm. Is, and he's, his job as a catcher is to teach him how to be a pro. Right. And in one of the scenes, he teaches him, oh, you're just playing one at a time, just happy to be here. Like, that's what you're talking about. <laughs> that's exactly right. This is what Tatum is saying. It starts on day one. He doesn't, I don't even know if he really believes that. Right. Um, because it doesn't. Some things right. do, some things don't. Yeah. But I promise you, get your girl. Um, Watch a little Bull Durham. It's just, it's just, there are a couple scenes. I can't, I could watch it every day the rest of my life. Not the movie, couple scenes. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Just wait. I, when all you right. see it, tell me and I'm going to tell I'll you come back and scene. I'll say, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Oh, it's funny, man. It's funny. Um, okay. So everyone knows here on this program that Scotty Barnes is Coach Thor's favorite player. He's going to be a 15 time all NBA all-star, four-time league MVP. I mean, I don't know. But, <laughs> but he, this is, this, you know, I'm the president of the Triple J fan club. This is not even a question. Like, right. Coach Thorpe is the, well, maybe Scotty Martin's parents are, but like, right. you know, not outside of his related. Right. 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 You are the dictator, messiah. Like, you are the number <laughs> one man of the Scotty Barnes uh, fan club. Now, some video circulated of Scotty Barnes playing pickup uh, in L.A., I believe. Yep. Um, and he is locking up one James Harden. And now, uh, you know, look, let's we, we talked about this last week about pickup. We're like, uh, you know, pickup is pickup. But, man, Scotty, and I talk about this all the time, and you, he's just all arms and legs. And, man, that's man. all you that's all you see. Harden's trying to dri- – nope, not budging an inch. He's getting no separation. And, you know, he blows a, 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 a shot because Scotty's contesting it with his seven-foot whatever wingspan. It's like, all right, man, if this guy's doing that um, right now, what is it? What's Scotty, 21? 22? Yeah. No, he's, I think he's my son's age, so 21, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I mean, future's looking bright for, for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, we, we, if, if he learns to shoot, God help the league. He's going to be a problem. There, well, that, that's what I was going to say is there is uh, – first of all, I agree with you. The fact that he locked up Harden, uh, it just means nothing to me. Right. It, nothing. What I liked about it was his clapping. Mm-hmm. After they, There's a video of, I don't know if maybe the same one or not, I've seen a few, where Harden, Harden's kind of in control. It's, mm-hmm. it, uh, my buddy Rico Hines is the Rico mm-hmm. runs. They're called yep. Rico runs. Mm-hmm. He's in charge of the pickup games. But James is a big part of it. Big, big part of it. Remember, they haven't done this in a couple of years because of COVID. Right. And they're working out at UCLA. I've, I've been... I spent a lot of time this summer at the those famed courts. UCLA runs. Super cool. Yeah. Um, Harden has been, he's really great about, Hey, love, love the energy that you guys are bringing. Uh, but then I watched another video where Kyle Lowry is talking to Vince Carter. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty recent. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure when it's happening. And Lowry is talking about, Oh, I've seen this dude since he was a freshman. We've never talked or anything until this year, but I saw him because I have an AAU program too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I loved him. And he kind of said the same thing that Coach Hamilton, his college coach, said to me when we were visiting this, the campus for my son. He said, you're going to think it's fake. Like, you're going to think all that energy and enthusiasm is, 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 is a fraud because no one does that except that's just always how he is. And Kyle talked about it. Like, that's mm-hmm. who he is. He's always been that. He's always been a guy that would rather pass. He's always been a guy that breathes spirit into people, whatever. And, and so I don't care about the locking up. I tell you what, his shot looked pretty good. Now, they're just mm-hmm. highlights. Right. So we have no way of knowing how well he's shooting the ball. I have some players playing these pickup games. I just haven't asked them how Scotty's mm-hmm. shooting because uh, I don't care that much. But to your point, they're going to be – we're going to talk about uh, teams that we think are rated too low or too mm-hmm. high later today. Um, if that dude adds a, a 36% from three, uh, yeah, he's, he's an all-star this year. I'm, I'm telling you right now he's an all-star this year. I mean, if he's 36% from three and does what he uh, does defensively number, yeah. and, like, he's what? Giannis Light? I mean, That's right? I wrote, like, I wrote I that mean, he's Giannis Light, yeah. That's I why mean, I couldn't believe that there was even debate that he, they'd go one or two. Like, yeah. another thing is Jalen sucks, but come on. This, yeah. Again, yeah. It, it, it'd be different if they dream was 30 feet in the air. Right. But There's no real advantage feet. to be seven foot or six <laughs> foot when 30 feet in the air. Ten foot's different. And his, seven, his wingspan seven three is measured by the combine, so... Yeah, he's got every gift. He's also fucking big and strong. He is. He I talked is. to someone about that this summer uh, that had not seen him since the season. That he keeps. He was strong during the season. He's yeah. gotten really strong. He is going to bully a lot of dudes, man. They're going to be really good. And, and he's nowhere near his physical prime yet. And we no. talked about this when he was playing. The reason how I know he's not just from watching him, obviously, 
It's when certain pro players go out of their way to talk yeah. about him after the game. That's yeah. how I know. LeBron, Durant. I'm like, okay, when those right. guys single, like, because they don't just mention anybody for no reason. I'm like, uh, uh no, right. you, you know, you see something there. And you said something, Coach, and it wasn't a throwaway, but you kind of threw it away. You said about him breathing spirit. That is your definition of leadership, yeah. is breathing yeah. spirit into others. And if that is, if he is the leader of that team at yeah. that age, that is yeah. phenomenal for them going forward. Now, as you often say, he may have to develop a little bit of that selfish gene, right? Not to yeah. be a ball hog, but just a little bit to like, I got to call my own number sometimes to really assert myself, you know, on the, on, on the scoreboard. Yeah. When we talk about Toronto later, um, I'll mention uh, they have both him and Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. who play the right way. Mm-hmm. Like it, neither guy, it, they, they both in the next couple of years could average 25 plus points. Pascal this year, maybe Scott another year or two after that. They don't care to necessarily. They, they want to make the extra pass. They don't typically take the bad dribble and the bad shot, the bad three dribbles. Um, there, is, there is a self-assist about how they play that uh, separates them from a lot of players in their positions. Uh, in Scotty's case, he, he, I think James Harden was even talking about it. Uh, Scotty was picking him up 94 feet mm-hmm. in a pickup game in mm-hmm. first week of August. <laughs> this is what he did in college, too. This is who he is. Right. He, just, he just loves to play. And uh, I'm doing some radio. Sh- I'm doing at least one podcast Toronto based this week, which is pretty normal because, as you said, they know that I'm the president <laughs> of the club, and they really love Scotty Barnes. Of course, in, they in, do in Canada, man. So, yeah, I, I, if I ever travel this year, I won't have to buy a drink. That's for sure. Someone's, <laughs> some, someone's going to buy me a cocktail there. I can tell you that. Shouts to the good folks, Toronto. The other thing I noticed from that from that video that I thought was interesting, and I wonder, you know, how much this helps a team going into the season when guys I noticed on the floor on the same team in that pickup game was Trent Pascal and yeah. Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Now the Nick nurse wasn't there and all I get all that, but there's something of value to be gained, right? When you play pickup with your teammates, particularly guys who you're going to share the floor with for heavy minutes during a regular season. Well, this is their design. The, the Raptors last week were out there in mass. I don't know all the people that were there. I haven't seen Van Vliet in any games, but I've seen photos of him out there. I don't know why he's not playing. But yeah, th- this is a Masai and Nick Nurse that they're, they wanted to be out there. And I think everyone can do it different ways, but I think more and more teams are meeting in August now, now, like right now, than ever before. I think they're recognizing we can we can bond now. We can we can just get guys used to connecting to each other. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be such competitive workouts or whatever. You can't mm-hmm. even do anything competitive. Um, we can just play pickup, have nice dinners together a couple nights a week, whatever. And so I think Toronto is. I think Toronto recognizes uh, we can we can be better than what people think, mm-hmm. but we need to we need to make sure that we don't get to. Um, May and think, God, we just started late mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you can't make up for it till the next year. Yep. So they're yep. starting now. In a sense, mm-hmm. they're starting now. I, I, as long as you don't burn them out, which I don't think they will. Yeah, I think I think you know to your point, that's that's dead on. And the thing that you know, again, if fans probably realize it, but you don't realize it. Like we talk about all the time, the regular season is long, really long. These guys do not practice in the regular season because they can't. Like you, you, the body needs to recover. The main, the main are, guys don't. That's right. The right. main guys play a little pickup, a little five on five practice, but not a ton. Yeah. Three games and five nights. What? Yeah. We're not practicing. I got to make sure you're good for Wednesday right. night in Detroit. Like, right. right. So it's nights off. So these things you can do in August and then training camp in September, that's the basis for a lot of the practice. And then that week off between all-star break, when you come back on that Monday and the games don't start till Thursday, those are like the end of the break between end of the season and playoffs. Those are like your practice times. That's but during right. the year, most teams don't do much, particularly veteran-laden teams, because it's just, you know, those guys got to get off their legs. So it's it, it's important, and kudos to Masai. And the, but, you know, smart franchises do smart things. Dumb ones, well, you know. Um, pick up. So DeJounte Murray, it's funny, because Tom Zilla wrote about this in his Substack. I didn't see and, it yet. And the, head of the, the headline of the article was, is DeJounte Murray a villain? And so apparently he and Paolo Bancaro, both from the Seattle area, if I'm not mistaken, were in a pro-am, were in um, 
little Isaiah Thomas, not Zeke, but <laughs> even shorter, five foot nine Isaiah Thomas's pro am league um, this past weekend. And Dejounte had a move where he kind of like you know went at Bancaro, dunked on him, you know did was you see, woofing. Did you see it? I did. I did. He was so saying he hit, some stuff. He, yeah, he threw like the Larry Bird fake pass behind yeah. Paolo's back, mm-hmm. hit the ball. It was a pronounced like he didn't have to do it as much as he did. Right. Paolo loses the ball. He thinks he passed it, and then Dejounte throws it off the backboard and dunks it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a cool move, yeah, and, it, and it was what it's pickup, as you say, whatever. And then yeah. I guess Paolo said something on IG that Dejounte didn't like, and Dejounte was like, "Oh, you know, don't go on here talking crazy. I was a fan of yours when you were a kid that wanted to rebound for me." And it was like, "What? What is happening? Are we basketball beef in August? Is Dejounte get the, the memo that there's nothing to talk about? I got to I got to create some drama to make something for us to talk about in August. Maybe he's just happy not to be in San Antonio anymore." <laughs> Because <laughs> they probably have said, "Hey, let's Cut never that do out. that." Yeah, yeah, we ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I happen to be a big Dejounte Murray fan, and uh, uh, I think Paolo can be very good. He also can yeah. end up being kind of a flop. Um, we don't know. He doesn't. I don't think he looks great to me. At least not in that one physically. I don't think he looks great. He looked good in the summer league, but they quickly pulled him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know this: if he applies himself, Dejounte Murray get those dunks out of the way now. Because in a couple, three years, Paolo's going to be really damn good. <laughs> really, really good. Um, but uh, I just, I don't, you know, you have, there's a freedom of speech in this country. They, sure. they, they, they can beef if they want to beef. I'd like to see better leadership from the players. I don't trust owners and management. I'd like the players to step and say, can we stop sniping on each other? We already have enough people sniping at us. Right, right. Let's, let's have each other's backs. Or, or as I've said to my son many times, keep that shit to yourself. Exactly. Just keep it. You have a problem with the other player to keep it to yourself. You don't or if ever... it's during the season and you guys have a little rivalry going, fine. Like, you know, you're playing them in a series. I get that. But summertime and pick up with that. Right. But, not, but don't do it on social media. You can do it on the right. court all you want. Right. Just, but let's, let's act like there is no such thing as social media and those kind of things. It doesn't. I don't think it helps anyone. I, I don't. Maybe it helps their, their own follower account. I don't love that. But. I don't think it, it adds to the narrative that we went off for the NBA. No, no. And it's it, interesting you say this, Coach, because this dovetails nicely into what I want to talk about next. It's like the discourse around basketball. And look, we're not, I'm not here to say true hoop that we are the highbrow basketball intellectuals. That's not what I'm saying. But these conversations sometimes are so lowbrow and silly. So I saw the, the Stat Muse Twitter account, which I, I enjoy Stat Muse. They put yeah, out a great. lot of really good stuff. So they put out a tweet. Two players with the most... 10 plus assists per game seasons. Chris Paul with six, Russell Westbrook with five. And I'm like, you see, it's stats like this that cause the discourse to be lowbrow. Because now, Russell Westbrook stands will be like, I thought you guys said Chris Paul was so much better than Russell Westbrook. He's only got one less season of 10 plus assists. And I'm like, you see, this is what I mean. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. Averaging 10 plus assists does not mean you impact the game the same way that Chris Paul does. And we have years right of both their careers of advanced metrics to show that right like chris paul has far more impact on a game than russell westbrook does even without winning an mvp as westbrook did in 24 2016 17 whatever that year that was um so anyway was it that long ago um it was the year durant left yeah so 2016 oh my god yeah yeah jeez yeah he was that that that, that year he left i um first of all he also scored a lot more points than chris paul Right, I'm sure Westbrook, 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 Westbrook averaged more points, but under the NTGM and their primes would take Westbrook over Paul, pro- or if they did, they'd be fired. Um, <laughs> I, to me, you know, you, what you're what you're upset about is just how how silly fans can be. Mm-hmm. The stat is the stat. It's an interesting stat. It's right. pretty it's yeah. two players only. Pretty amazing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Um, but there's this game is more to more than just any one statistic: scoring, rebounding, assists, steals. Uh, even metrics, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's, it's a more diverse, it's a deeper, more comprehensive game to understand and to project and analyze and project. And uh, there, there are aspects that don't show up in just pure assists mm-hmm. per game. Uh, not to, I mean, listen, many of Russell Westbrook's assists are because he couldn't shoot the ball, mm-hmm. meaning two guys were on me, I had to pass it. Uh, and it was great. There's nothing right. wrong with that. It's not like he was gifted ever 
at the at the pass to the guy that didn't even know he was open, mm-hmm. and and you made him open. That's not his gift. What he's doing it w- was great for a long time. It's not anyone's, anyone's fault but his that he won't evolve. Right, it hasn't for a long time. That's on him. Mm-hmm. No, correct and, and well said. Um, looking again and p- predicting the future, these the over under totals are slowly starting to yeah. trickle out. Um, and there's some interesting things that we that we have this year, and you know a lot of it's based on where Vegas thinks either certain players will end up, get right. traded, whatever. But this is early. And some interesting things, uh, some interesting uh, numbers have came out. So I wanted to talk it over with you and talk about first for the, for the Eastern Conference. Who in the East do you think's over-under number was too low and whose over-under number was too high? Do, do you have one also? Uh, I, I have one. Okay. So I'm going to give you mine. Okay, My, and it's a it's not easy to break the future when you're not sure what's going to happen to maybe their best player. But mm-hmm. Charlotte's at thirty seven point five, mm-hmm. meaning they're going to win thirty. And I don't know if Bridges is going to play one game. Well, there's and that, if he yeah. doesn't, I think they're sunk. Yeah, yeah. And if he does, they're likely to win more than thirty eight games. Is, is what I, I would guess. I agree. So I think that that one was too low, and um, I mean too high. And Toronto's at forty five point five. They finished the season winning since January one. They won sixty six percent of their games, which would be a fifty four win season more or less. So I uh, and I think they got better in yeah. the off season a little bit, just a little bit. But um, uh, Scott is going to get better. Siakam still ascending. Uh, they locked up uh, Boucher and Kem Birch. Mm-hmm. They drafted Coloco, who may or may not play much. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. Came, really came on this year. Um, I Delano Banton, I think, has got a chance to be a helpful rotation player. Yep. He's a second-year player, so I think they're going to shatter that forty-six, that forty-five point five number. I, I think you might be right there. Um, for me, I think Vegas, and this is early, so it's probably going to change again. Uh, I think they went too low on Cleveland. Uh, what were they forty something? Forty-two and a half. I I, I think Cleveland is going to win 45, 46 games this year. I just because again, healthy. Jared Allen doesn't get hurt last year. Right. They were the number one defense in the whole league until, until he went down. So, and you know, another year with Colin Sexton, Evan Mobley gets better. Darius Garland. I mean, it's just, I, I like that team a lot. I really, really do. And I think they have a, they have something special there with Mobley and Allen. They're, they're playing those two bigs um, just because of Mobley's skill set. You assume another year he gets better. Um, Darius Garland was an all-star last year. Uh, did he make all NBA third team? No, 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 but I think that um, uh, my guess is just the East is loaded. The, the whole league is loaded. There's just yeah. not that many bad teams. No. We know who they are. They're not, and, and so does Vegas because they're all in the 20s. Mm-hmm. The Kings are, I think, <laughs> we're at 32. So that's a nod that they're not the worst team ever. They've got some, you know, Sabonis and Fox will help and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Harrison Barnes. But um, uh, I think that. I agree with you. I, I like Cleveland very much. I just feel like they don't know who to take wins away from because that, just, that, a, that's the, that's the other part that you bring up there that people, people don't realize who am I taking the wins away from? Yeah. Right? They're winning more. Someone's got to win less. That's a zero sum game. Yeah. yeah no, how about the West? Uh, in the West, I thought until Denver's at 50. Yeah. I thought that was low for them. I thought that was low for them because I'm assuming healthy Jamal Murray, healthy Michael Porter Jr. Like, yeah. If this team was healthy last year, I was like, yeah. uh, they might come out in the West. So yeah. I thought, I thought fifty wins a little bit low on them. Maybe the, the, the Jokic luster is wearing off, or they don't believe in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Which fair, right. giving injury yeah. I thought that um, Dallas is at forty nine point five. I think that's too high. Okay, yeah. Jalen Brunson is really, really good. I think I'm and they him. added Christian Wood. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready to bet on him. Doesn't mean I'm right. Um, but I think Brunson is very, very pivotal, was very pivotal for their success. And, uh, so I think 49.5 is too high for them. And, uh, you might be surprised, but the too low <laughs> in the West is your Los Angeles Lakers. 46.5. <laughs> <My, my> <laughs> <laughs> so you, and then we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. You are, you're betting that LeBron and AD play 60 plus games each. I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably stupid. There's an article came out even today or yesterday that maybe they should trade AD because he's just not going to ever be healthy. So maybe, maybe, 
but I, I think they have enough other guys now to maybe take a little pressure off of them. And um, I, I'm a big Darvin Ham fan. I yeah. like, I like the, what, what Yudoka did in Boston, I think is a good thing for Ham mm. to have seen. But also, it's not like Ham has been stuck in Sacramento. No, no. Like, he's, you know, he's been in the, yeah, he's been right there with Bud. Uh, they're going to play like Milwaukee plays. Get, threes. You know, <laughs> yeah, threes and um, drop coverage on defense. Uh, they can go big or small with AD at five or four. Um, and uh, I, I just think that they're I, – I, LeBron was so amazing last year until he got hurt. Oh, he and was. Yeah, it was, it was up for MVP level play. So. Top five in EPM last year. At, He's at had a lot stage. of time, a lot of time to recover. <laughs> You'd hope that they would understand how to how to pick their spots better with mm. those two. Maybe even play one at a time uh, and schedule the other to miss. Mm-hmm. And the, they each play fifty five games, but it's they're never they're never right. both missing, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll win more because of it. So yeah, I'm, I think they'll win. I think they can win more than forty six and a half games. And Kendrick Nunn, you're it, yeah. It, he Which plays. I said last week. Yeah, that is a young shooter. Uh, that's that's huge for them. And he's it, yeah, he's active, athletic, mm-hmm. energetic, experienced. Mm-hmm. They made it to the finals. I think yeah, I'm with you there. I thought you know, of course, I'm always looking at what do they think about my Memphis Grizzlies, um, forty nine and a half. Um, 50, yeah, and and I assume that's because of the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury. They're like, well, we don't know what's going to happen to start the oh, season. Oh, I think off. that's exactly it. Yeah, you know, th- I think you're exactly right. Because I don't think Jaron's back till December at the earliest. Um, so you know, you start out eight and 12 or six and 10 or something. And it's like, you know, people are, people are wondering. So yeah, that's a little, a little early, a little early on the, on the over under win totals, but always something curious to look at. Oh, the Knicks. So thirty nine and a half. and a half. I guess they assume they're not getting Donovan Mitchell. Cause if they get Mitchell, they're going to win more than 39 and a half. Yeah. They'll win 40 something. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're, that's probably baked into the cake uh, that it's possible. So maybe it'd be lower if you thought you're not going to get him at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if they get him, then uh, I mean, he's. I think he's underrated. I think he's a terrific player. Yeah, yeah we, we talked about that. Yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're big on him. They, yeah. if you're Danny Ainge in the Jazz, who are you insisting that you get back if you're giving up Mitchell? I mean, anyone that can you can trade for more picks. You know, you're not you're not going to win with this team. Right. You basically have said, okay, we're pressing the reset button. So I'm, I'm going to move everyone I can to get back picks directly or players that can deliver picks, you know, at some mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to try to win this year. I'm going to try to get Victor Wimbalaya and, or whomever. Um, so you want to get as much, as much as you can back. And they should ask for a lot. I, I, you know, I do, I do hear a lot about and read a lot about um, the trade for Gobert, which was so, you know, five to seven picks, depending on how it works out, mm-hmm. how it kind of ruined the market. I, I don't agree with that assessment. Mm-hmm. We're all in the real world. We've all, most of us have bought homes and cars mm-hmm. that, are, that are not brand new and you're, you're paying stickle price. Um, I don't care if another home is sold for X. Uh, if I'm willing to only pay X minus something mm-hmm. and no one else is willing to pay anything more than X minus something, we're gonna. One of us gonna win those things, unless they just want to keep their house. Mm-hmm. Well, they can keep Donovan if they want to, mm-hmm. but at 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 what point does that start delivering diminished returns? Mm-hmm. Because you know, you're not winning with him anymore right. with what you've right. done, and now I can pay you even less than what I was offering before. I'm gonna wait for mm-hmm. that if you're yeah. not willing to take this. So I don't care what the, the Gobert thing was a one off. Yeah. Uh, same as with Durant. Like Brooklyn will get what they can get. If they think they're going to get the same thing Gobert got, that they're not paying attention, they don't have the job. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. get it. Yeah. No one has that no, except for OKC. Yeah. Right. They're not gonna no do one it. has it. Yeah, right. Pelicans aren't going to. I don't think the Pelicans are going to do it. Maybe they will. Probably not. Uh, I think it's you, you. The market is what the market is, and you do the best deal you can do. And and I think yeah. that's the thing, right? You you have you get. It's not about what you deserve or what's equal value. It's what you have the leverage to negotiate, right? And yeah, and it's what the other teams have. And we've said this before. Nobody has the assets and young talent that would, even when you bring Durant over, the team is still good enough to contend, right? There, it, there is no team that can do that. So this is just, it, it's a non-starter. He met with uh, Joe Sy recently. Um, and it's what I think you and I have said from day one. Come 
August or September training camp, he's going to be in Brooklyn. He ain't going anywhere. <laughs> like what? Is that like, is that how you feel right now still? I do cuz what unless he says I don't care Tra- trade me for a bag of nickels. Which I don't think he'll do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree with you. And I think Vegas agrees. Look at their win totals. Right. So I... Because that team won't win that many games. No. Was it 40-something? 46. Yeah, they're not winning that with no Durant. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, 46 and a half. Yeah. The, if, if it's just Kyrie and those kids, yikes. No, that, that, that that's not going to work. <laughs> right. Um, no, it, it's... It, it is very interesting. I think, look, you, you, this is probably Joe side telling them, look, we got a good squad here. You coming back as our leader, you know, Kyrie's here. If he shows us he's committed, you know, we'll extend him. I mean, if I was Joe side, I'd probably just say that and not really mean it. Cause I'm like, ah, this guy hasn't shown me he's committed to winning, to winning games, but I know that you are, you love ball and you're committed to winning. So help yeah. us win here. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll yep. get what we need, but yeah, yeah I can't bet on this other guy. Um, so we'll see what, what, what happens there. There's still smoke around the Donovan Mitchell to New York thing. Um, there was a, a report that a three-way trade was talked about between the Knicks, Lakers, and the Jazz. It didn't go anywhere, clearly. Um, I assume that's because of the Russell Westbrook contract is probably why it didn't go anywhere. Although, if you're a team looking for cap space, like, Westbrook expiring, right? So, like... I, I did the deal for Utah to take him. I thought I thought Utah can give LA some really good players. Yeah. And Mike Conley especially. And uh I I actually think the Lakers can pull something like this off. It's one reason why I think forty six and a half is too low for them. Mm. Um and uh and Utah they Utah can save over a hundred million dollars in a year if they just take Westbrook, trade a couple of their guys that have multi year deals mm-hmm. left, more than two years left on their on their current deal, two years or more, I should say, and and really be sitting uh, with like like these other teams with a ton of picks going forward ton and very little committed mm-hmm. dollars, mm-hmm. that's where you want to be. And so I yeah. think I could see that ultimately happening. And then they can wave Russell and mm-hmm. let him sign with whoever he wants. That's true. Yeah, if you don't if you don't even want him to be on beyond the you're like, ah, oh, we don't. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll just you know we'll buy you out or whatever, and right. you can sign wherever you want to go. Right. Not 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 a bad move. It, it'll be interesting to see if, if what actually happens. And do you think at this stage of his career? a team would be willing to, after let's say he gets waived and ball brought out, will bring him on as like a backup point guard. Can he even take that role on a contending team? And will, will any contender be willing to bring him into that scenario? I, I mean, I remember, as do you, uh, the time where Camelo refused to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I remember that the next time, which is when he embraced it. Mm-hmm. And it worked out good for him. Uh, right now, Carmelo isn't employed, is he? He is not. Still I think agent. there's 10 Lakers from last year not employed. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's 10. Um, I think it's possible that Russell understands, okay, I'm going to take over a second unit, ramp up the pace, look to score, whatever. It's possible. I don't know him, so I don't know his mm-hmm. personality. I know what we see. It's, it's, it's concern. Um, the right coach, the right manager who has a feel for him can pull it off, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. It's gonna have to take the, the really that 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 right person. Yeah, relationship. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, so before we, we wrap up here, I wanted to talk about the possibility, and I don't want everybody to get all alarmist, that <laughs> a lockout could come. Not for this season, because the current deal, um, they can opt out in December, both sides, the league and the players association. So the it would it would run through this actual full season. But Going into the next season, will there be a potential for a lockout? Adam Silver saying all the right things. No, you know, this isn't baseball. Like we don't have an adversarial relationship with our players, which is true for the most part, yeah. right? The league yeah. and the players have a good relationship. And the league and the PA, since Billy Hunter's been gone from the PA, Michelle Roberts took over, now the new uh, executive director, the, the relationship has been very good between the league and its players. But in any negotiation, the sides in power are going to want things to change or how they were run the last couple of years, particularly if that side feels as though they were either taken advantage of or this is not something we want. For example, the owners, no doubt, do not like the fact that players who have literally not even started their contract extensions yet, right? The extension kicks in to start this season are demanding trades, i.e. Kevin Durant, et cetera, et cetera. I know the, the governors don't like that because, again, the, the, the fight they're going to say is 
what are our small market guys? Are they going to force their way out of small markets? And wah, 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 and all this stuff, right? Okay, well, what is the clause they can put in? Because remember, back in the day, one of the big CBA fights was, oh, we can't have these guys locked into these eight, nine-year deals, paying them all this money, because now we're, 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 we're stuck to these guys, and we can't get rid of them. The PA says, okay, we'll make shorter deals. With Supermaxes, no problem. Now they're like, we don't want Supermaxes. That's too much money. I can't be paying these guys $50 million when they're 40 years old. Well, listen, man, you can't have it all, right? So you want control? You don't want control. You want, right? And so there's going to be some give and take on both sides. So I can see the, the governors coming back and saying, no, I, we got to do something about players demanding deals, uh, demanding, demanding trades in year one of a contract. And the players saying like, look, we need freedom and, and autonomy to go where we want to go. And we need to make sure that BRI split remains at a very least tilted in our favor or 50-50. What say you? I mean, you have a better feel for this than I do. I'm, I'm not smart enough to really know much beyond the court itself. Uh, that's hard enough for me. Um, <laughs> it seems to me that, uh, I mean, I, I, mean I, I, don't, I just wouldn't doubt you. You're not the only one saying this also. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's not... Uh, you know, both sides should agree that their number one aim should be to build out the optimal, ideal plan for both sides. And you have to mm -hmm. compromise for sure. Of course. For the business, so that our fans and our, you know, everyone is, is on board. And this isn't it. This, what we have now, because of what you described, mm -hmm. we, we're not there. So let's work together. Uh, they, can, they can work together and not. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they'll be able to do that. I'm, we're hopeful. <laughs> what, what do you? What's what's your take on the new leadership on the player side? Uh, I like her with just her, fine with the attorney. Um, yeah, yeah, I like her just fine. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they they vetted her for God two and a half because Michelle's succession plan was always there, right? She wasn't right. going to do this forever, so it was they, right. they knew COVID kind of lengthened it out a bit because yeah. they're like, well, you can't yeah. leave us in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Like, All right, uh, well, right. I'll hang on with you guys. <laughs> um, but so I feel confident about her. I think the big thing is. We're going to see what the, the new broadcast revenue deal is. That's, that's the first thing. Um, how much money is that going to be? Is that the projected 7 to $9 billion that some figures on Forbes uh, have, have pointed out there, right? Because that's going to cause the, the, the cap to increase over the years, et cetera. How does that look? We've, you know, we talked about it a lot on this show, and it's still tied on this 82-game schedule, which we both agree, and Henry too, is bad news. Now, CJ McCollum, who's now the president of the PA, he went on one of those shows and said, I can't support a 58-game regular season. And I'm sure it's because he's thinking straight up about the money. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not saying don't have the money. All I'm saying is cut the games and figure out a way to keep the money, which you can, right? If you cut it to 58 games, you can have your midseason tournament that's sponsored by YouTube or whoever right. for a $10 million payout. I, I don't care. Figure it out. Like all these sponsorship deals you guys do, knock yourselves out with that. Actually, you know what I would love would be a radical idea. I'd love it if you did and since 58 games, right? But you do it over the same course amount of time. So October to April. So you'd have, again, no more than two games in a week. But you have an international break, kind of like they do in, in, in football, like European football. And you have these teams go over and play, I don't know, Olympiacos and Real Madrid, whatever. Like, now, you have to get FIBA involved, which is a whole other mess and whatever, but it'd be cool, right? I think. What you're saying is you want our American players to go to Greece and have them throw batteries at them. <laughs> no, I don't want that's what that's pretty pretty sure Gerard, that's what I heard you say because they do some crazy shit over there. <laughs> they do, they do. <laughs> I, 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 but to, to on a on a very serious note, um, and this is stuff I've learned over the years from people like Henry and, and when I was ESPN. You, of course, are not going after their money, Gerard. The, the argument that people are making uh, is that the less games will still equal the same revenue because we'll have more fan interest. Yes. There'll be higher TV ratings, which is a huge part of the money anyway, yeah. because it's going to be must-see TV in a way that these current, this current schedule rarely has. Mm -hmm. So you, what you want is, CJ, I want you to make what you've always made, playing less games. Like, who wouldn't mm -hmm. want that? <laughs> That's exactly what we should want. <laughs> now, is it possible that we're not going to get there? Yeah. So I'd rather err. I agree with you. I'd rather err on the side of caution and have everyone make a little less money, but actually be able to play more games and enjoy their careers better. Because once it's gone, it's gone forever. 
mm-hmm. right? Age, the age always factors out at some point. That's what we're all talking about here. I initially had said a 70-game schedule. I, I buy the 58 just fine. Mm-hmm. I, I have zero issues with that. Um, but uh, something has to be done. Something yeah. has to be done. In fact, I'm writing about it this week again. Um, <laughs> a little bit, little bit of a different take. But, yeah, I'm writing about it again because uh, it, it, it's like – it's almost like it's a Game of Thrones. You win or you it die. Yeah. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't have that. That's the name of my article. You win or you die. We shouldn't have that. Should be, uh, we should have a smarter methodology for it. And uh, I'd like science to dictate. I, I was reading, have you read a book called The uh, Premonition? Michael Lewis, no. his latest one. So he wrote The Fifth Risk, which was incredible. The Premonition is beyond incredible. I'm only halfway through it. But... Uh, Scientists figured out long before COVID that uh, the best way to inhibit a, a plague, in a sense, from mm-hmm. transferring everywhere is to uh, shut down schools because children are socialized more than yeah. anyone at a close range. They're disease the vectors. <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly right. And they are. <laughs> um, and so initially, our scientists beat our politicians up about closing schools. And we did, and then Trumpers did what they did, and we all know what's happened and how many people have died and whatever. But the science was right. Mm-hmm. It's based on lots of studies and evidence and, and graphing and computer simulations. We can do the same thing with this. We should be able to figure out a way uh, using AI and big brains and big computers and everything else. Here's the optimal way to give us the best chance to have the most players playing the most games. I mean, we say 58. What percentage of our All-Stars played 58 games? I don't know the answer to that. Not all of them. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I know this. If we cut it to 58 games, it's a much, much, much more likely that a very high percentage of our best players will play all those games. Correct. Correct. That's why you build more revenue going forward is because every game becomes more of a must-watch game. Exactly. And, you know, it's the Board of Governors who are going to bitch and complain about the 11 games that they're lo- of home games they're losing. Because that's what we're talking about here, or 12 yeah. games, whatever the number, right? You go from 29, to, from 41 to 29. Really? We, you all, you smart billionaires, can't figure out a way to make up 12 games of lost revenue. Come on, we can right. figure this out. And right. it's not just about the less games. It's what you do in the in-between time, which I've mentioned a million times. A game happens on Monday. A player can literally have 24 hours off and do nothing. Rest. Which would be great. Huge. And on Wednesday, the next day, you can then, right, strength train to build back up what you lost on Monday. You can do cardio. You can practice. Actually run a practice. You can work on your skill. There's so many things you can do when you only play twice in seven days versus three or four times in seven days, right? It's just... but right, you know the uh, you get to the postseason, and the average person would say, "Well, the games are slower in the postseason, more of a half court battle." Well, yeah, run a marathon every day for three months. Right. How's then- your sprinting going to be the next day? <laughs> not great. It's not just because the games mean more or whatever. It's because guys are freaking tired. Their knees exactly. hurt. There's, their whole body hurts. It's uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I, we got to keep banging this drum and hope mm-hmm. that uh, and maybe something will happen even as early as this year. That'd be great. Uh, we can always go back. If it turns sure. out 58 games, everyone's still hurt, whatever. Well, we can do something different. But th- we've tried. The NBA's tried things for years. Exactly. Let's try this. Well, and, and as, as Adam always says, like, you know, we want to we follow the science on these things. And as Henry always says, well, what science? Let, let us into yeah. that. Which, which right. science are you actually following? Exactly. That's what, because right. we know. We talk to smart people like our friend, Dr. Dr. Marcus Elliott. Like, yeah. who, who says? No, they play too many games. Two times max <laughs> over yeah. seven days, right? Yeah. Um, this is what smart people say. <laughs> See a lot more highlights, a lot more dunks, a lot more speed. Your best system. players playing all the yeah. time, right? Yeah. Like you just, yeah. and then we could do something where you do like a U23 break right. or something. It's just, you. there's so many, like smart people work in sports. Really smart people. Y'all can figure this out. It's not rocket science. There, yeah. The Premier League has an under 23 league. A lot of those players in soccer over there, because I've gone to the games, I've gone to uh, two games. Uh, are highly paid guys who just haven't bubbled up to the top team just yet. But none of them are as famous as many of our young guys that aren't in rotations. Mm-hmm. We could do a non-rotation. If you average less than eight minutes a game for your team, you're eligible to play in a weekend tournament. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got your G-leaguers. Mm-hmm. 
many of which were all-star college players. Almost all of them were. And then you get your guys playing whatever the number is, 8, 12, 10, 12 minutes a game or less. They're eligible to play. Uh, those guys will all be a big, the big followers. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd bet our attendance and our ratings would be good because you're watching former great players. Yeah. Almost every player starts out that way. All right, NBA, you heard this. I know you're listening to this podcast. If we see any of these ideas out here and we are not properly, not just attributed, but compensated, you'll be hearing from our attorney. Shout out to Judy Goodwin. <laughs> I'll, take a, I'll take a credential, thanks. <laughs> I live in the real world. That ain't happening, Gerard. As good as Judy is, for sure. I don't think that we... I'll get a, I'll get a hat out of it. What's your I'll hat? A, yeah, What's I got a hat. Your, what is Oak it? Bluffs from Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get oh, a hat. Nice. Yeah. I'd love that. I'll take <laughs> we'll, one of those. We'll get you, a hat. Are you NBA, NBA U23? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the hat. NBA U23 <laughs> hat. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. We will see you later in the week. Take care. Uh, it's Coach Thorpe, and I'm Sherrod Hector. See you guys soon. <laughs>